This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr. and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new 18 one for um for streams yet, but I'm going to, and I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the 17 team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about uh, other baseball video games I like. It, they're they're two different experiences. This is the sim in depth management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So. I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 464 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, June 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, it's June. It is. I can't believe it. It is. It is June. It is. It's my birth month. It's your birth month. What, what's your, when's your birthday? The 24th. Got a little bit of time. A little bit of time before I'm even older than I am now, although right now I'm older than I was then. Just a second ago. You were just, yeah, absolutely. Oh, shit, you're older now, too. Oh, my ah, God. Keeps happening. Damn it. We're going to record two days before your birthday, the 22nd, so we'll figure something out. You can birthdays on a Saturday, though. That's nice. 
Mm-hmm. Nice weekend birthday. That'll be good. I'll be actually down in San Diego. Ooh, what you, wait, wait, wait. What are you doing down in San Diego that weekend? I might be there in San Diego, dude. That's crazy. Maybe we'll go out on uh, Friday night or Saturday night, my birthday. Uh, I'm arriving on Saturday, and I'm going to be there until July 3rd. Mostly family, but like Sunday, I'm going out to a music festival in L.A. And then June 30th, October, has the Junior Boys in L.A., so I will be up again for that show. So, yeah, Tigers are going to be there that weekend. Oh. Be there and trying to see the Tigers. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. Let's dive in. Um, let's start where we have to start, right? Where everyone's talking. We're going to join, we're going to join the crowd and talk about, uh, trading trout. Jeff Zimmerman wrote a piece today, did the, did the math on all of it and, you know, came out with some good names. Uh, that maybe you should be asking for trout. I don't know. It's it's so hard. But let's dive in. Leading off question of the day: What would it take? What would you take for trout in a non-keeper roto league? Let's assume. Let's assume twelve team. I think more people play play twelves than than fifteens. Um, but this kind of helps out with. It's in the middle. You know, tens, tens, twelves, fifteens are probably the most common. Uh, three league sizes. Let's just go right in the middle. Twelve teamer. You've got Trout. You're competing. You're not first. Let's just put you in the top four. You're in striking distance, and you've lost Trout. What would you take in like a one for one? Like what? What kind of one for one would you look for? And I assume it would be a hitter. Uh, let's 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 assume hitter since you're trying to replace such a beast. Hmm. Well, I just wanted to look at my ten team and see who's available. If I just wanted to pick up a center fielder, I'd be looking at. Ender Inciarte, mm-hmm. probably. Um, that's just a, a good idea of... Uh, I think you'd have to make a decision of, are you picking up to cover the average and runs that you've lost, or the homers and RBIs, right? It, it would it would be team-dependent, because obviously you're not going to find somebody who does it all on the waiver wire, even in a 10-teamer. So you're going to try to make that decision of, like, okay, which of... You kind of bunch the categories together, maybe, like, average, speed... And runs, and then power production, homers, and RBIs, kind of. So th- those are the two. Who would be the best power uh, center fielder you can get, or outfielder? In a ten teamer, I switched over to my deeper league, and I was looking at uh, Hunter Pence and oh, Nick Markakis. It's kind of it's so funny how 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 important your league is. <laughs> like, wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, lose Trout for Marquecas. Uh, it's devastating. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one, I guess I could I could buy low on Jock Peterson. Uh, you know, well, I actually I actually like uh, if he can figure it. Out. I mean, he he just needs to start hitting fly balls. So he's still hitting it kind of hard, and yeah, he's just I don't know what's happening there. Otherwise, um, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is probably somebody I would go for. Power and speed. Some playing time a little bit here with with Ellsbury on the DL. Is he back from the concussion DL yet? Shebler would be my uh, power And chipped in three steals so far. Maybe get you another four or five. And I believe in Shebler. I think Shebler is a lot like a Duval. I agree. I think he's this year's Duval for them. Obviously, it fits well that he's on that same team. But he's that same sort of guy like a – like a ball hard doesn't have great patience, yeah. Yeah, a second half prospect on in terms of the list. Yeah, if you're talking yeah. like, you know, top ten lists. He's either in going the- from a bad park to a good park, and yeah, yeah, it's very similar. So but what about trade? 
Oh uh, yeah, so trade, so trade. I mean, in the ten-team league, I probably wouldn't trade because I'd just be like, well, Ender Enciarte. I'll just try to figure out how to have Enciarte and Shevler on my team and just, and you know, play with it. Too, right? Yeah, just, just home. Yeah, who's home? The Shevler's home. You know, try to take advantage of that park, and I would just do the best because the replacement level is so high. But on that other one where I'm looking at Nick Markakis, yeah. or or holding on and hoping that Hunter Pence is not dead. Uh, you know, I, I think that in that league, I'd be much more likely to to take a trade. Um, you know, and then I think Zimmerman, you know, kind of got to the heart of the fact that it's so difficult is that you can't you can't help but like think like, this is Mike Trout. Like I can't give up Mike Trout. Yeah, you want the world, right? Uh, you're right, and so you got that name value, but you also. Um, the way that, uh, Zimmerman has it, you probably are expecting maybe 200 plate appearances upon his return. Um, and so you have to think of him as, you know, two months of Mike Trout as opposed to four months of Mike Trout. So, you know, that, that, that's what makes it difficult. Um, I think that if I was looking at the different names that he has, and Zimmerman has one for one trades up. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the names I would, I think I would definitely take, I would take Mookie Betts. Well, these are trades that were, were done in Yahoo yeah. post. And I would, and I would take Mookie Betts. I would take Jose Altuve. I would take Giancarlo Stanton. I think uh, those are, are rare though. I don't know, man. I don't know that you're getting, obviously these were done. These were made in Yahoo leagues. Betts, Machado, Altuve, Miggy, Rizzo. Pollock, Stanton, Judge, Myers, and Benintendi were all done as one-for-ones. So were Scherzer, Arietta, and then Bundy. The Bundy one stands out like a sore thumb. And uh, Jeff- Well, on the hitting side, I think that there's a couple names that are a little bit low for me. I mean, Pollock is hurt. So that's that one's a little bit hurt. That one's interesting. But I guess he might, he'll be back before Trout, so I could see the, the thinking there, I guess. Uh, Will Myers seems a little bit light, but at least you're getting power and speed, if not the batting average. And then Andrew Benintendi, you're only really getting the batting average, and I don't like I as much as I like him, I don't think that Benintendi is much more than a sort of 15 to 18 home run hitter right now. But what about four months versus two months? Yeah, yeah, but uh, 15 homers from Benintendi—that's half as much. So you might you get Trout plus the replacement guy, you'll get more home runs than Benintendi. That's true. Yeah. Trout plus the replacement guy might have the same batting average as Benintendi. And then Trout plus the replacement probably has more steals than Benatendi. So, Ooh. well, depends how much Trout runs when well, he's back. This was done true. on a stolen base, right? It's a good point. And you know that's one thing that Benny does have. He has seven swipes right now, seven for eight. Probably going to get another ten the rest of the year, maybe more even. Um, I don't know. I I'm really curious, and I, and I hope people leave comments. If you traded Trout or if you saw a Trout trade in your league, what what was it? And I'm really looking for, for non-keeper leagues because I think that's where it's really hardest to do something. Obviously, in keeper leagues, that changes everything. Someone that's not contending would be willing to buy, those sorts of things. So I'm really interested in non-keeper league trades for uh, for Trout. And I agree with you. A lot of these names would be appealing. Some of them would be coming up a little bit short. I agree with you on Pollock specifically. What about Machado on the buy low? You just go flat out and you say, you know what? I want your name value who's sucking for my name value who's amazing but on the shelf. Would you get that one done? Because you haven't said anything about Machado. Yeah, that was a, that was a difficult one for me too. And, uh, you know, they're first round talents when they're, when they're right. Machado, the only thing that I keep looking at when I look at his line in order to try and 
yeah, well, there's a reason behind it, not just the bad hair itself, is that uh, he's popping the ball up a lot. But, you know, <clears throat> he's this rare talent that has popped the ball up a lot in the past. So okay, see, I, I didn't. Here's this. Do you ever have these blind spots with players that are like superstars? <clears throat> right? He's a he's a legit superstar, but I haven't really had Manny Machado on many teams. So while I'm aware of him, you know, I know his 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 stats, what he can offer, kind of loosely. I don't often deep dive. So that's kind of a blind spot for me. I actually didn't know that that he has had a pop up problem. I'm looking at it right now. He's had a consistent pop up problem throughout his career, as you mentioned. So it's exacerbated this year with even more infield flies and even a higher fly ball rate. And it's true that, and that's that's worrisome and that's not great. But at the same time, he's had it forever and he's been really good in the past. So I look over at, at X stats again and I see a 266 batting average, 340 on base, 520 slugging. That's a lot better than what he's actually showing. So, you know, even with some of these flaws, that's a very good player. I wish, you know, he's not really stealing bases, though. Um, I'm saying that without looking at his page. He's not stealing bases, right? He stole, like, none. He stole, like, zero. That's, yeah. But uh, he's already stolen at least a couple this year, I know for sure. Yeah, he's two for three. It's just... Plus, it's, like, not the same position, so it's, like, what if you have a great third baseman and then you just add Machado and you're, like, okay, that solved my trout problem? He's shortstop? Yeah, I mean, I I would take it, I think. I think I would take it because I think uh, Machado's got better days in front of him. He's a, his, his expected home runs are 13, you know, expected slugging is 520. That's That sounds to me like basically Machado, so That's I don't think pay off huge if you do. And Baltimore gets hot, you know. That, 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 that part could... Could uh, could get real friendly to him real soon. So hottest, right? You've said yeah. before that it surprises. Hottest so. park on average, yeah. Hottest park on average, once you, especially once you get in the summer, and we just hit June, folks. I mean, that's somebody I, I would probably be looking to get. Generally speaking, obviously it's going to cost you, but uh, the the Trout thing I think is particularly interesting because of the scenario for both with Machado struggling and Trout um, Trout, of course, hurt. But I think, you know, you you might be able to take, you know, especially if you're taking names that are on the lower end of the spectrum for these uh, for these uh, for these trades. Let's say you're you're willing to take a Will Myers or you're willing to take that Benintendi. I mean, for gosh sakes, you're not going to take the the one for one. I don't think I mean, I I don't think you're talking about with Bundy. You'd say, well, of course, with Bundy, I don't even want to really. Yeah, but even with like even with Ben Attendee, and I think even with Myers, I'd be like, yo, I need a closer too. Yeah, and then I'll and, back my crappiest pitcher and just help me in a couple places, and I'm just gonna hope that I can plug these holes, and uh, and, and you know, you're gonna get this excellent, you know. And another thing, another thing about setting head to head versus Roto. Yes. So in Roto. In Roto, I think I might be a little bit more inclined for training him away because you're, you're just accruing all year and 188, 200 plate appearances is the good side of the, the recovery. He had an actual ligament surgery and ligaments don't heal as well as bone, actually. I didn't know this before, but the blood doesn't basically circulate in the ligament in the same way that it can circulate in the bone. So in some ways, bone injuries can be better. Because there's just a bone to heal and then, and ligaments are more complicated. So I could see, you know, and then they had this whole capsule that they were talking about I've never even heard of before. So, um, you know, I, you say 
you know, 200 plate appearances, I think you rarely ever get more than you think. And then there's a lot of times when it gets worse. So I think in Roto, I'd be like, well, you know, it's just 200 plate appearances. It is a great 200 plate appearances, but there's, there's a chance it's only 150. Uh, what if the team sucks and, you know, the recovery isn't going amazingly? Then they push it, right? Cause this, this team, it's like, it's going to suck. So, um, you know, I think, but in head to head, there's that idea that, Maybe I can make it to the finals, and all of a sudden I've got Mike Trout on my team. That that's the cool thing about head to head. If you're off to a great start, you know you could months, you, you might just tough it out and, and keep that chip, uh, yeah, almost like a trade chip. And and the week to week thing is is more conducive to kind of trying to make it work, right? And 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 yeah. and fitting different guys in there. Uh, in your in your lineup, so I totally agree with you that the head to head aspect is makes it way different. Yeah, and and then and then that and head to head too. Like it was great to have Trout's all aroundedness, but maybe without him, you don't have a real steals threat, or you know what I mean. I mean, maybe maybe you just sort of punt steals until he comes back, or you know you know just kind of keep an eye on steals, and maybe you do that Shevler and Ciarte thing, but you have Shevler in most of the time, kind of punting steals with Ciarte on your bench. But able to, if you're close in steals, bring in Ciarte in late in the week and try to get a standard yeah. two. That's yeah. a good call. That's a good call. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like taking, taking Ben and Tennis or Meyer straight up is not what I would do. So all of this, uh, was a ruse. The real answer is to, uh, just punch yourself in the face and stop playing. Oh, my gosh. No. You know, and it, don't, you know, I'm actually, I, 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 well, I saw a very interesting piece, um, by Brian Walton that brought in Chandler, and um, Steve Gardner from USA Today and um, Todd Zola. That makes sense. Who we know and love. And um, they were talking about the DL. And, you know, this is an extension of, of the conversation about Trout. You know, they were talking about the DL and how, you know, I forget who it was. One of them kind of said that they didn't. I think Todd. Was it Todd saying they didn't think it was that big a deal? And Brian Walton, and Brian Walton even, um, when he set it up was like, you know, there's been 160 DL, you know, uh, appearances this April to like 149 the year before. And I was, I was like, nah, but you, you can't do April because the season starts at different moments. Uh, so you're talking about they already put DL spots previously to the, uh, before, before the season started. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you start on April 1, then there's a lot of DL stints that happen April, uh, March 31st because their big team is getting ready for April 1. They put all their guys on one day. So, you know, the, and the, and the, over the past like four or five years, the team that we started anywhere from like April 6th to like March 31st. So, um, you know, if you look at April 15th to May 15th, like I did, and you compare all those and those are into the season, you're not doing as many shenanigans where people don't have a fifth starter and they're doing that DL stuff, you know, if you just look at April 15th to May 15th, DL stints are up 50%. And that's huge. So there's no, I can't imagine, I, I just like, it's weird to me. I know, actually, I'm mad for Steve Gardner, because Steve Gardner plays in a lot of super only leagues, like uh, our AL Labor that we're in together, that he's run for a while. And in those leagues, a lot of times you have unlimited DL, because... I don't know because I think it's it's sort of two sided. An idea is the waiver wire is so crappy that you don't want to hurt somebody twice um, 
by making them lose the player if they have too many DL players, you know, and also having to pick up somebody crappy in the meantime. Um, so I could see if you had a bunch of leagues with unlimited DL, you'd be like, man, no problem. I just I got a lot of people in the DL. It's no big deal. But, you know, in all of my – and they were some of them were talking about, like, is it even uh, common to have limited DL slots? I was kind of yelling at the TV, like, oh, are you kidding? Like, every Yahoo league I've ever had just has, like, three Yahoo, three DL slots. ESPN has limited DL slots. And then you can't even change it in season. We've already talked about this a little bit. And I don't want to talk much, but to me, it's been a very difficult season. And I actually, there's, here's the wrinkle that I thought that came up in the chat today that I'd like to get your opinion on. So, um, so their pitchers are going on the DL more. So it's mostly like starting pitchers that are going on the DL more often. Some of it's the phantom DL where they've got six or seven starting pitchers and they're moving guys around and, um, but seemingly doing that, huh? Right, yeah, and then if you look at your own DL slots, you'll probably see a lot, a lot more pitchers than hitters. Um, I, I think hitters, it's more definitive. I, I mean, one of the things that someone told me about, you know, when they went into the game, what did they, what did they learn? I wrote a piece for ESPN at the winter meetings one time. What did they learn in the game? And one of them said the pitchers are always hurt. Um, I, I kind of learned that recently too, just from things like the, what you tell me and, and other people that I talked to about how players in general, are just like since April eighth, you know, we're yeah. games into the season, and everyone is nicked up in some way. And pitchers in particular, if they if they want to put you on the DL, they can find something that is at least right. quote legitimate to get you on the DL. So everybody who's playing the games, like, so it seems like everybody wants pitching. Everyone's trying to trade pitching. I've got you know three or four leagues where I've got limited. DL. Some of my guys got hurt. You know, with the home run surge, didn't work out. Um, you know, they're giving up too many homers. I don't have to do with that. Um, so I want to trade for pitching in a lot of my leagues. And so it really feels like pitching scarce. Um, and I want, like, I wonder what you think. A, is this different in the past or is in season pitching always scarce because the whole problem pitching season to season? The whole problem with pitch is knowing if this guy's going to be good going into the season so you can buy him. It's a little bit, um, you know, once you're in the season, the people have like the pitchers they think are bad. And it's always been that way in season, it seems. So I don't know if the DL has one. I don't want to be clear, but it's like, do you think this is very different? I think it's very different with regard to DL, period. However, do you think this is different between hitters and pitchers? And do you find pitching more scarce and it's harder to deal? And lastly, would you pay more for pitching going into next season because of it? Probably not. So I, one factor that we're not talking about, not only the DL thing in terms of the pitcher scarcity and why pitching sucks so much, is the home run surge continuing in and just wrecking ERAs left and right, making pitching look even worse. And so who can? It's hard to feel like you can trust guys because the quickest way to damage an ERA to get a, to get a six run outing is via the home run. And so that has played a big role in it as well. So when you talk about guy well, losing all these guys to injury. And dealing with all these uh, exorbitant home run rates again, where you know if you're under one at all, you're you're, you're somebody to be uh, you know at this point. I think both of those factors really do play into it. I think it's different. I don't think this. You know, I try to be careful of the this year is the worst or, or whatever <laughs> right now is the worst thing because we do that way too much culture, like a, as a Twitter culture, like oh my god, this is the craziest thing ever. It's never happened like this. Then someone rationally comes in and says, yeah. This happened last year, exactly. <laughs> that happens all the time with all sorts of different things, whether you're talking about sports, political, whatever it is. And so um, I, w I don't want to be super overreactionary, but at the same time, I think what we're seeing two months in 
is the DL having an effect and, again, home runs having an effect. I don't know if I'm going to pay for pitching more next year, though, because it's not like the best pitchers have been the best pitchers inherently, right? A lot of them have gotten hurt. You still don't know when guys are going to get hurt. You're, you're, you're healthy till you're not. A, a seemingly trite garbage phrase, but also the truth. The, the, the sturdiest guys can get hurt. Like, there's nothing that protects you from that. And so, no, I think I'm still going to bank on, on hitters. And as you and I have said in the past, we're a little bit arrogant about finding pitching because we study it so much. Uh, we feel confident that we can get the pitching in season and work on it that way. I think I'm going to continue that strategy. There is one guy that is standing out in, in a tough park, and it is Jimmy Nelson. We're going to talk a little bit about him later as a, as a, as a May standout. But teammates, Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson. Chase Anderson, someone you used to kind of, uh, you know, talk up a bit. He's not beasting out, but he had a huge outing the other day against that cranky I was watching. Uh, what about, you, you got something on Nelson? Uh, in a new curveball, and then what about Chase Anderson? Are you seeing anything improved in him that you're buying back in on? How do you feel about those two Milwaukee Brewers? They've both been pitching pretty well this year. Yeah, I think for Jimmy Nelson, it's really interesting. Normally, we say that the curveball, the harder it is, the better it is. However, I think if you have two breaking balls, it's better to be distinct, to have a distinct difference. And we've talked about that with Rod Ray. And Jimmy Nelson used to have, he he tabled the curve for two starts. He came back in the last month. The curveball is slower and it's more distinct. It draws and has different, uh, a little bit more uh, side to side movement than his slider. So it has become more distinct, and I think that might be a big part of why he's uh, why he's doing well. And I think that one thing that really makes me believe is that he had these two distinct breaking balls, and he went to Arizona and was able to throw both of those breaking balls and have a good start. Where Arizona is very dry and hard to to, to commit breaking balls. So. I'm a little bit in on him. I don't think that he's necessarily, I think both these guys, I don't think both, I don't think either of them is like, you know, a, a one or a two, but I think they can be like three, four, fives at a time when we're just like we've just been talking about, everyone's looking for pit. These guys can just be okay, can be okay, like league average type fantasy stuff. So. Hey, Dick Nelson, uh, with his new curveball, what about Chase Anderson? Velocity's up, strike rate's back up to 2014 levels. He's cut his home run rate in half, but also his homer to fly ball rate. So it could just be, you know, not not straight up good luck, but like definitely some good luck there because he's still a fly ball guy. What about Chase Anderson this year so far? He's always had that good change up and he has good feel for that. The, I think throwing the cutter more has just led to more whiffs. Last year, I think he probably started throwing it because last year the cutter didn't give up a single home run. So he's like, well, I've been giving up too many home runs. Let me throw the cutter more. He's given up some home runs. So it's not like a magic pill that he's just like, I'm throwing this pitch and no one will hit a home run off it. However, it's sort of toward the home run rate on all of his fastballs and change up. So I think it, it probably looks enough like his four seam and sinker. That, uh, people are having a harder time telling his fastballs apart and are having a harder time sitting and, and, and hitting those fastballs harder. So, uh, it's really hard. And this is, this is what's so difficult about season, you know, looking for players in season is, especially during a home run environment like this, is that home run suppression is the hardest thing to believe in. Exactly. But when you, like, you know, people always ask me, what's the easiest way to to kind of try and do do this kind of analysis, I say look at pitching mix changes and velocity changes, and at least with those two, you Chase Anderson's made a, a difference. So, you know. 
All right. So, uh, so you're buying in on both of them, particularly because of the pitching landscape right now. You could use them either as spot starters or as full-on guys at the back end of your rotation in leagues of a certain depth. Uh, Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson. All right, you know, let's talk about some May standouts for our main topic today. We got some hitters. Uh, that, that just beasted out in May that are not, you know, kind of your front line sort of hitters. So I'm curious what you think about them the rest of the way. And then we've got some performance standouts on the mound. And then we have some skill standouts whose performance didn't necessarily match up in terms of results, but, but maybe they're intriguing pickups going forward. So let's start with the hitters. We got Justin Bohr, who had 11 home runs and a 201 WRC plus. Brett Gardner hit nine home runs in May with a 184 WRC plus. Zach Cozart, who I really wasn't believing in early because it looked like just a bunch of base hits and, and some hot BABIP, has actually did some pop. He had six homers and a 164 WRC plus in May. And Tommy Pham, what up, Pham, with the uh, five homer, four stolen base, 157 WRC plus in May. Uh, obviously, some different levels there, so I, I think Boar's probably the most established. But but who are the two maybe that you're buying the most going forward as fantasy assets? Well, I'll just say across the board, X-Stats really likes them. I think the one that X-Stats likes the least, and so I can maybe bin him away from these gr- group, is Brett Gardner. Um, you know, he's 33, going on 34, and... Right. That's, it just seems... It's, I guess it's his look. He looks kind of old. He's like bald white man look. <laughs> so you're like, dude, you're, you got something wrapped or, or some tape somewhere. Yeah, but grinder style. Right. Yeah. Him, 11 yaks, five stone base. Yeah, but, you know, the expected, uh, his expected slugging percentage is like 439 versus his actuals is 529. His projected slugging is like 415 and his career slugging is 394. And when you have all of this breakout in, um, in one space, basically his, uh, his power. Um, you know, it is nice that he's hitting more fly balls, but as a 34 year old where, you know, the expected velocity, like the velocity and launch angle stuff is not, is not really matching up. Yeah, even a 434 slugging would be the best of his career, which makes me nervous. That makes me think it's more like for situation. Than- a 534, yeah. So 529 right now. Okay. So uh, also, so I'll just say he is not a plus performer when it comes to stolen bases. He's you know on an okay pace right now, but as an older dude, in recent years he's fallen off in the second half. Predictive, but if you pair that out with age, there seems like a little bit of smoke there. So doubt, yeah, doubt he steals a lot more than 10 more bases. And if he steals 10 more bases and hits you home runs like he normally does going forward, like another seven home runs, then even though it looks great right now, you're really only getting sort of like a 5-5 guy, uh, you know, like a 7-7 guy the rest of the way with like a Met batting average. It's, it's, it's not super exciting. Kozart has an expected slugging percentage over 500 and plays in a great park. The only asterisk, and he's he's had a couple adjustments in the past and a couple moments like this in the past where he put together you know, uh, good pace and good power. He just happened to get hurt the last time he was. Right. That was uh, 2015. He was off to an amazing start to the season. Uh, nine homers in 53 games. He only played 53 games, though. And so he showed a little pop last year, career-high 16 homers, but again, 121 games. So he was cut short yet again. This year, as you mentioned with Kozar, not only the power production, but a big boost in patience, 14% walk rate. That lineup isn't so bad at, at the top either. The first kind of five to six are legitimate 
in um, in Cincinnati. Now, is he somebody that could be traded though? Since he's thirty one, yeah. Uh, is that Cozart? Could he be moved out for something? For well, him? there is a there is one little asterisk. It is a mechanical change he's made. Um, he uh, he's basically put the bat on his shoulder. Um, I think that makes him a little le- less aggressive and has made him you know uh, wait a little bit longer. Um, so that might that might speak to the patience. I think that's all been really good for him. If he, if he was going to stay in his position, like you look at X stats again, you look at you know projected, he, he is higher up at 600 slugging. So you might oh, that's a lot more regression. However, his projection is for a 440 slugging, and his X stats is for 470. So across the board, you're talking about power. You're talking about a better position. You're talking about a younger player, uh, although he is 31 already. And then you have to add in the wrinkle of what happens when he leaves Cincinnati. However, X stats is not park adjusted right now. I don't think. Okay. So, uh, you know, if he had a 470 slugging go forward, I think you'd be pretty happy with that. So, any team that needs a shortstop, like right off the top of our head as a contender, because I'm failing at it. So, I mean, if the Orioles believe they're in, oh yeah, he's kind of in. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't think there's necessarily a, a you know, would you move him opposition? <laughs> he's a really good shortstop, isn't he? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if the no, I mean the Cubs are the Cubs gonna? No, I don't think so. They have bias. They really want to make a move. They they put bias at short and and tell Russell he needs to work on some stuff, whatever. Move Turner to to center and put Kozart at short in Washington. After losing after losing Adam Eaton, I don't think that's impossible, right? I, I don't think that's. It's, it's like the it's like the only real match right now, actually. Yeah, I think I agree with you because I'm looking unless at someone gets hurt. Maybe he won't go anywhere. Uh, you know, it, it, it is the name that I sort of gravitated toward. I mean, other than Justin Bohr. Justin Bohr is your homeboy. You've convinced me on him. I don't know that he's this good, but his his ex-slugging was the best of the group. Uh, plus, you combine it with uh, a past slugging that's the best of the group. Plus, you combine it with the fact that we thought he could always do something like this. I don't know. He got cut last year too, man. I swear he yeah. was on his way to 30. Uh, I mean, 15 and, 80, and 90 games, so it's not perfectly yeah. a 30 pace. But the summer was just getting going, man. I think it was a wrist injury. Ah, oh, man. So I'm excited about Justin Bohr right now for sure. And then, you know, even though he's not great against lefties uh, this year, uh, he's doing really well against them. I wouldn't necessarily con- uh, say that that will continue 343 average and poor homers against lefties. Uh, you know, I think he is, uh, he strikes out 33% of the time against lefties. Uh, yeah, he's a 444 Babbitt against lefties right now. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of uh, regression coming in there. And I think that's what will hurt him in the batting average standpoint is that they'll leave him in against lefties because that's what they've done because he's been doing well. And so then you'll see some 0 for 4s against lefties. However, that's fine because it might be 0 for 4 with a run or an RBI. He'll find a way. Yeah, and he'll find a way to give you a little bit more counting value than he's had in the past. I mean, 46 was his career high in plate appearances in 2015. I think we're, I think we're, we're good to go on, on getting past that this year with, without a major injury. So, um, yeah, I think, I think talent, he's like a 270, 30 guy with, uh, with good, with good on base skills, which is, uh, it's, you know, if the, the team stays healthy, then he'll have okay runs and RBIs for the rest of the season. And even if they don't, uh, he can give you that power and do it without giving you a terrible batting average. So if Justin Bohr is available, I already made the, I actually made the jump to, uh, Justin Bohr from Carlos Santana in my 10 team league because 
You know, I was just like, you know, Carlos Santana is, is fine, but there's been plenty of years where he hit 25 homers and had like a 230 batting average, and exactly. it just could be one of those years. And I think he'll heat up because he often does in the summer, Carlos Santana does, but in a league where Justin Bohr is available, you make that move just to, if anything, just to play, play the hot hand, if anything. Yeah, or just back to Santana down the line, I would still make that move. So I, I totally. Yeah, I mean, I needed a batting average too, so it's like, you know, even if Santana plays to the back of his baseball card, uh, and Bohr plays to the back of his baseball card, I'm getting a better batting average, so. Bohr should be noted, 269 career average, so his 288 is not completely out of bounds, although as you said, it is by the verse lefty work, which will come down, so probably back down toward the 260. I only included Fan because Randall Gritchick was out, um, and I don't know that Jose Martinez deserves the point time over Fan. Uh, family that produces every time he comes up. Is there anything here though? Five homers, four stolen bases in a month. That's nice. Anything you can rely on? Uh, is he is he a mixed league? Is he an all formats guy while he's up, or is it is it too much uh, intent teamer to go with Tommy Pham? Well, I don't like that park so much. It's a dampening park. Yeah, it's, it's it's pitcher to neutral, depending on kind of the time of the year, really. And then the the team is is um, very much sort of like the Dodgers type of team where they're just you know. You're in the line when you're in the lineup, you know, and you just figure it out. So, uh, I think on the, on those, on the 10 teamers, especially in my 10 teamer, I have like two bench hats or maybe even one. I can't afford to have a fam because he just won't be in enough to that, that I know, you know, I'd rather have a guy that I can plug in and he's going to be great. Um, so yeah, I don't think 10 team, but I, I, I like him. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's another one. He's kind of, I think the, the Cardinals look for guys who can hit the bard, um, and they'll, and they'll figure other things out. That's, I mean, that's the sort of stated reason for getting, uh, Randall J- Gritchuk in the past. Absolutely. He has crazy hard hit rates, but it just wasn't working, so they sent him out. Fam is such a Cardinals player. It's ridiculous. Didn't debut in the majors till 26. Has been beasting since he's come up. They wait right in the middle of his peak. Yep. Yeah. These guys are 100%. The, the non-superstar prospects, they wait until they're 100% ready, or seemingly, and then they bring them up and they get production out of them. So, yeah, fam, I do think it has to be a little bit of a deeper league because of the playing time not being guaranteed. Uh, I agree with you there. So we're, we're prioritizing Bohr and Cozart. Uh, Gardner might want to go ahead and try to sell high on that for as much as you can. I'm obviously, you're not going to get a, a, a mint, but you'll get something. And then, fam, you got to be in a little bit of a deeper league. What about, uh, let's move over to the pitchers and let's talk the performance standouts. We already covered Jimmy Nelson. He, uh, he had a 228 ERA, 116 whip and 22%, uh, strikeout minus walk rate. A couple other guys. Robbie Ray had a 256 ERA, 0.91 whip, 22%, strikeout minus walk rate. Zach Godley went 220, 104, 14%. And Alex Cobb had a 295 ERA, 113 whip, but only a 9%. Strikeout minus walk rate, which of course dampens the performance. Outside of talking about Nelson, who's your favorite here? I'll tell you, it's always easiest to find my least favorite, uh, Alex Cobb. I mean, it, it kind of has to be. And again, we're going to talk about guys that have better K minus B rates, but didn't quite put up the results. He's the opposite end of that, where the results were there, but you just have a hard time believing in the skills. Still hasn't gotten his changeup back, has he? No, he hasn't, and I don't. Well, I think he's he's using it as a show change. Uh, plus, the I th- I think having a um, a curveball as your best primary pitch is pretty good because they're uh, more neutral when it comes to platoon splits. 
So um, you're not going to get your your curveball is not going to get hammered by lefties as much as being like a Michael Pineda with a fastball slider. So um, I think that's that's how he's making it work. However, I don't think that necessarily. I'm not sure that his curveball is that rich level. Um, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that his command is like Ivan Nova level. He does have more strikeouts than Nova, and he plays in. He plays in a similar park though, but it's the American. I just, I just like throwing Alex Cobb and like Baltimore or even Boston with this, even with Boston with this team struggling a little bit offensively. Um, yeah, I would, I, I would, uh, I, I would chuck and duck on those days if I had to do it. So I'm, I've, I've still got those two shares. Yeah, so I'm still, still looking to sell. Don't anybody in my league. Don't listen. I'm looking to sell. Gave you an early birthday present. I didn't put Eduardo Rodriguez on one of these lists. Oh, just damn well belong because he had a huge May. I believe I, I'm uh, I'm in the tank for him. The the new arm slot the new arm slot has given him more arm side run. He always had a hard slider. He believes in now the changeup got the new arm slot. Uh, he kept the velocity that we were all worried if he would keep it or not. So I don't have ten shares because of the knee. I was scared off by the knee a hundred percent. Yeah, he heard it. He heard it. And same thing. That was plaguing him. Like, oh, come on, man. So I, I got a couple at late shares. Just, okay, hey, I'll take a shot. But I went up, dude. I was, I was hot. Eduardo Rodriguez last year. So I, I'm right there with you in lockstep. He's been great. He's having a great time. I imagine you like Ray better than Godley, but can you kind of talk about both and how you feel that they're going to perform going forward? You know, it's funny. You know, I was hoping to see that the pitchers had gotten more differentiated because Robbie Ray has the sort of Jimmy Knight. Problem where the the curve and the slider to the point where it got ridiculous. I wrote a piece about Robbie Ray's curveball and I put two gifs, gifs in a, the the own the p- person who made gifs calls it gifs, so I'm calling it gifs. Yeah, well, they're stupid, okay? Because <laughs> anyway, cool, interface <laughs> format or whatever the hell's called. You didn't put two cans of peanut butter up there, so tell us about the gifs. <laughs> that you use. Anyway, I put in what I thought were curveballs and a couple people. Uh, you know, some, well, actually one commenter was like, they're obviously different if you're like, I'm not here, right? And then, uh, uh, he's snarky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you know that Justin Verlander actually threw, uh, it's like, like the okay. comic, comic book guy, you know? But, uh, and then another, uh, a person who works on charting pitches alerted me to the fact that, um, the picture that I had put up of a curveball was a slider. It's <laughs> like, oh, I'll get back in there. Then. <laughs> and I updated it with a, with a new picture of a curveball. But then there was three moving images of, <laughs> of breaking balls on the page. And it was really still hard to differentiate between any of them. I mean, I guess one's a little bit slower, but they they all had that same kind of angle. And I think the thing that you need is a different look, you know, and, and I'm not sure he's – He's got that different of a look when his curve is 82 and his slider is 84. Yeah, his his curve is 82, his slider is 84. And when you talk about vertical movement, uh, there's uh, four inches of difference between them. Where there's other guys who throw like a cutter and a curve, um, like a, a smiley, and they'll have like 10 inches of difference uh, between the two. So, uh, what about Zach Godley? He, 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 maybe he could be tunneling. Tunneling would be amazing. And then, you know, John Lester and Matt 
as Mungar are amazing at this thing where you kind of the the slider and the curve are not they're not all that different and they and, and they make everything look the same and then it's not. However, John Lester and Madison Bumgarner have really good command, and Robbie Ray does not have that. So I still think of him as like a three six three seven five ERA guy. I too, especially because he still hasn't doesn't have any success at home either. So half of his games you have to be a little bit suspect of with Robbie Ray. Um, I know that there was another update on the humidor. Maybe it's still coming. I don't know. It seems like they said the same thing that they said last time. They're like, it's coming like within a month or whatever. So I really don't know. But um, he had six starts, Robbie Ray did. And four of them were brilliant. And two of them were bad. And guess where the two were? They were at home. Home against Detroit, five innings, five runs, five walks. Fives were wild that night. And then home against Pittsburgh, four innings, four runs, only three walks. Um and then, and then he has three straight scoreless outings on the road right now. Seven and two thirds at San Diego, seven strong at Milwaukee, and, and a shutout at Pittsburgh. So he's still kind of like a half starter for Robbie Ray, and that's troubling. Uh, what about Zach Godley? Zach Godley has a lot of sink. He kind of replaced his primary fastball with a sinker. Sinker has good sink. Um, you know, 92, 93 mile an hour sinker. You know, it doesn't have a ton of fade. Uh, but he's not, he's not one of these lefties that's throwing across his body that has, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez has like 10 inches, 12 inches of sideways movement. Uh, Godley only has six. However, uh, it works because his curve is a big old humpy curve and, uh, his change drops four inches more than a sinker and, and has, you know, eight, eight, eight miles per hour difference. So I see a curve that is plus to elite-ish. I mean, a very good curve. I mean, it's, it's, uh, as Donald Trump would say, it's a very good curve. It's the best. Believe and, me, uh, it's the best. <laughs> but no, believe me. I'm like, it's no. you know, never believe anyone who says believe me, eighty uh, or anyone who says uh, honestly. Uh, so eighty eighty. I know <laughs> eighty three mile an hour curveball with with like a big old six inch drop is is very good. So he has a very good curveball, a decent cutter, and the change has all the. Right stuff. It doesn't have a good, a lot of wiggle side to side, but it has, it has the right drop that you'd expect. So he's not quite a smiley, but he, he does kind of have like sink, more sink, and even more sink. Okay. Um, and I think, I think that is useful when it comes to suppressing home runs, which is very important for a guy who pitches in Arizona. And if you take away last year where he was throwing the cutter more than the sinker for some reason, I don't know why. If you take that away and look at his minor leagues, he ne- he never really had even one home run per nine in this. So I think that you might actually uh, expect him to keep that home run number under under point uh, under one under one 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 point you know around point nine point eight going forward. If you pair that with good command, he seems to have okay command, and then. Maybe even more strikeouts because right now he has 13.4% swing strike. It's pretty good. He's, had He's always good, had good swing uh, rate, by the way. Yeah, he does. Uh, because, you know, vertical movement is good for swing strikes. It's horizontal movement that gets you ground balls because that moves along the barrel. Exactly. It's vertical movement that gets you swinging strikes. It can leave you vulnerable to home runs. So, which is why it's kind of amazing that he's got this vertical movement with good swing strikes and a 64% ground ball rate. I mean, there's, I'm pretty much buying. I, I know that the projections are boring and 
I can see why if I look back and look at a couple, you know, whips that he's had and a couple, you know, walk rate problems that he's had and his first two attempts at the big leagues, he was more walks and stuff. Yeah, but I think he's different. I'm, I'm with you on changes. I think Zach at least got a little something. I, I'm kind of considering, I'm at least considering him in any league format. It might only be as a streamer and a 10 teamer, but like the way away from home, 10 teamer, you know, a little bit more, uh, I don't care what his actual splits are. That's when I say he's pitching away from home. Like just keep him out of Arizona. So yeah, righty lefty. I, I think you can take anybody on when he's right. out of Arizona. It's just I would be careful with some of the Arizona starts. I and he's the he's a velocity increase guy. I mean he showed up he showed up in in spring. I, I wish, man. I Zimmerman alerted me a little chat. I was like pick up Godley and I, I I did in like one or two leagues and then I. I dropped him for somebody else and he wrote him up too and godly yeah. was kind of in the back of my mind and then when he came up and he, he was showing it even more i was like "Ooh, jeff yeah right. jeff knows jeff knows his stuff up two miles an hour and drop the kind of boring cutter i think that's a big difference so yeah i agree so uh ranking them how do you go with ray godly nelson cobb i know cobb's last how do you rank the, the other three let's say 12 teams you know, I think Nelson and Ray are very similar. I think they're actually righty-lefty versions of each other. And that's why they had virtually the identical – well, that's not why they had. But I'm saying they had almost the same exact numbers in May. I totally understand what you're saying, too, righty-lefty versions of one another. So I'd rather have the one being righty, I think. What's that? I think I'd rather have the righty. The you know Robbie Ray is seeding the the platoon advantage more often than Nelson. Well, and I'd rather have the guy that isn't automatically terrible at home. I don't think Jimmy Nelson has quite the same platoon split. I yeah. can use him at home sometimes. Let me, I'm going to check my I'm going to check my. Actually, I think Nelson uh, for his career has been better at home, and and it might as much as sometimes you look at that, sometimes you don't. I think that in this case it might you know Milwaukee is actually pretty humid, and it's a lot. Even though he gives up home runs, I think it might be good for his breaking ball command that um, that uh, Milwaukee, you know, is kind of wetter than than Arizona. So, um, and that and that that'll that'll happen even if you're in a dome. I mean, we're just talking about like sort of humidity, the air. It's not you're not gonna like you're not gonna air condition all the air out of there. So I think Nelson, those guys, I guess they're one. But you know, in some ways, I like Godley better. Godley's a little bit more unknown. Uh, the floor is lower and the ceiling is higher. You know than those guys, um, but um, I guess since he's less known and the the strikeout minus walk total, which is one of the best ways to look uh, at a one number, is lower than the other two. I'll, I'll put him second. So I guess I go Nelson, uh, Nelson Ray Godley. Some people are probably surprised that we take Nelson over Ray, but it's pretty close and it's just a little bit overrated. And so yeah, they might be. It's, it's so stark. You cannot use two guy at home. Two runs away from home, five runs in five innings at home, four runs in four innings at home, no runs away from home, no runs away from home, no runs away from home. I'm, 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 forget it, man. I'm going Nelson Godley Ray. Oh, wow. I'm putting, I'm putting Ray third. There's a small split. It's not a huge difference, but I'm, I would rather have Godley. I mean, I, I, if, if any of these guys is going to suppress home runs, to me, it's Godley. Yeah, I mean, 65% ground ball rate, that's, that's Keiko. I mean, there's, there's, there's two or three guys a year who have 60%. Yeah, once you're over about 60%, that's when it's starting to be something where you have major impact, uh, over, over the kind of, uh, hit suppression and home run suppression that yeah. you have. Um, and so God, Godly has that. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Godly. Let's finish up real quick with these skill standouts. The skills were there, the results weren't just yet. I know Bauer's been pretty, Trevor Bauer, 582 ERA, 141 whip for the month, 23 
percent strikeout minus walk rate. His last three or four starts though were really good. He just started the month off a little bit uh, shaky. Drew Pomeranz, 4.30 ERA, 1.40 WHIP, 21 percent K minus BB, and then Vince Velasquez, 5.02, 1.40, and then 18 percent strikeout minus walk rate. Who's your favorite going forward? Who would you go out and buy? Because I think they can all be had without paying through the through the roof right now. Okay, so uh, best fastball, Vince? Yeah, probably. Best park situation, Bauer? Best size of pitching mix, Bauer? Has probably more pitches than the other two combined. <laughs> a note on that in a second, though. Best command. They're all bad. They're all bad, but I would say maybe Velasquez, maybe. Pomeranz. Pomeranz, okay. Maybe Pomeranz. I'm not pushing back because I'm like I don't have a firm uh, opinion. Best secondary pitch, Pomeranz. Pomeranz curve. Yeah. See, it's, you're you're lining up a lot of things in different places. Um, I, one thing I like about Bauer is he's actually simplified his 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 uh, mix recently, and he's throwing. Yeah, he's actually. He was a uh, fastball. This is, I think this is kind of amazing. Um, if you've been following Bauer's career, let's see, I'm going to do it by game. This is the, <laughs> this is the first I've been time. Ups and downs with Bauer. Like I'm in early, quit him, came back, and I've been pretty meh the last two years. So 80%, no, 90% fastball curve, Oakland game. Oh, he cut them up, by the way. And, and of, of his biggest curve usage of his career, um, like four, you know, like uh, like three of the top ten are in the last five games, and then the other parts of the top ten were the end of the season last year. So he's been gradually going towards more curveballs. Um, he like he's he throws a one split a game now. Um, his changeups are down to like one or two or three a game. Um, I think so. I think he doesn't throw the screwball anymore. And um, he doesn't really throw the slider. The cutter he kind of uses judiciously. So in some ways, he's a lot more like Pomerantz than he used to be. Yeah. Um, with, I think, the benefit that Pomerantz doesn't have of if the fastball and curve needs something extra, he's got the other things. That's you know what I mean? Like, Pomerantz can't even, like, sometimes Pomerantz throws a cutter and it calls it a change and nobody knows what it was and everyone's looking at him like, what was that? And he goes back to the, the fastball and the curveball. He's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw something different. Here's a curveball. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, uh, if you add up the two things that Bauer's done recently, the front door two seamer and, uh, more curveballs, including more curveballs in the zone, that's how you have the same swing strike rate and a nutso strikeout rate. So he's just, Wait, he's getting more. Again, cause that was my biggest question was, as you mentioned, swing strike rate is dead same, 9%. It's been 9% pretty much the last four seasons, 9.6% in 2015. But a 30% strikeout rate is nine percentage points better than last year. How do you get that without improving swing strike rate? Well, around last year, he started throwing the front door two-seamer, which is a two-seamer that starts on the lefty's hip and then goes over and that gets into the zone. So that, that the lefty says, yeah, the lefty says, uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to swing at that. And, you and know it falls. What the lefty says, what does he say? I don't think so, Tim. That's what 
I think Stat Corner actually has a called strike number, so let me um, see if I can call that up. But the other thing that he's doing now is with that quantity of curveballs, he's throwing more curveballs in the zone. So um, let's see here. Is Bauer our favorite here? of pitches in strike zone taken for a ball. Oh, sometimes Stat Corner bothers me. Really? Where? I can't tell you. I can't. I can't say it on the air. I can tell you after. Uh, <laughs> well, um, uh, his number of pitches in the strikes and taken for a ball is way down. But that's that's not what I'm trying to get at. Uh, ahead ahead of the count more than ever. That's still not it. Anyway, look at this. He's getting a framing benefit. The number one, uh, the biggest number, um, of his career, number, percent of pitches outside the strike zone taken for a strike, uh, is up to its highest. So Gomes, Gomes must be stealing some strikes for him. Gomes is healthy too. Okay, here's called strike rates last four years. 31%, 29%, 33%, 35% this year. So it is a career high. So, uh, some more takes because everyone says this is Trevor Bowery, he's gonna walk the lineup. Uh, they're taking pitches. He's getting uh, pitches that are close to the zone more often, and he's getting uh, some pitches inside the zone. So, um, I mean, you know, I don't think that he should be giving up nearly two home runs per nine and a 350 BABIP. So there's the there's some thing, right? One there, Homer not some growth here. We're talking about a 26 year old. Uh, there's no velocity concerns. Um, you know, so I, I I like I think I like what he's doing in terms of like. The group that you put together, it's um, kind of a poo-poo platter in some ways. It's a little bit hard to kind of pick one. That's by design to make you pick one, basically, because they got good skills. The good K minus BB, a, a, a number. If you, we never really suggest using a catch-all and trying to go that way. But if we're going to use one. It would K minus BB to to start you down your path, and they all three had great ones in May, even though the results didn't meet up with it. And I think I would take Pomerantz, uh, in the end. Uh, yeah. Because Velasquez to me, uh, he doesn't have the two pitch problem like Pineda, but the command is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And then you add in the history of injury. I mean, Pomerantz has that as well. I was going to say, Pomerantz's health. But it's, it, it's for Vince, it's two things. It's the command and the history of injury. And then if you look, yeah, uh, he just had an MRI. And oh my god! And he's going to be on the sideline. And his projections are the worst of the group. So that's that's an easy one for me. So it's between Pomerantz and Bauer. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's a difficult one. There's definitely a lot. I think there actually might be more times he wouldn't want to throw Pomerantz. I guess. And I think that's right. In Boston, in Baltimore, in New York. I mean, Bauer's playing. You know, the White Sox and in Cleveland and, uh, oh, you said it. I know. They were a fringe contender. Everything had to break right. Everything has not broken right. They had to find a bullpen. They did not. Exactly. I mean, that, you know, I, I, I told, I, I came in eyes wide open about the, about the Tigers this year. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, but okay. So we're looking at, uh, you're going Pomeranz over Bauer. No, I think I might, I might, it's, it's close. It's one, one A, one B. Yeah. yeah, I think, okay, I'll go Pomerantz Bauer, but I, I, I like them both. I'm actually and then, 
Bauer's more different than he's been in the past, which is interesting. Exactly. Whereas Pomerantz is about the same he's ever been in the past. He's had home run problems in the past, and he's in he's in Boston, and you know, yeah. Okay. I think that's going to go ahead and wrap us up there. Covered some May standouts. Next episode, we will uh, hit up on some um, closers that we haven't talked about in a little while. Coda Glover's in in Washington. We'll talk about some situations that might be shaped. Wait, can I say something real quick? Of course you can. What the hell? Look at these standings. You're all depressed about the Tigers and they're three games out. And I'm not even, I'm not yelling at you for being depressed. What I'm saying is everybody. Has 25 wins. It's crazy. In the American League, especially, it's Houston, and then uh, jump down two steps to New York, and then jump down like a half step. I think the Angels are a terrible else. team, and they are the third best team in the AL. And here's the thing. that That's why the injury is so devastating. I actually thought that they had a decent 25, and the problem was I was like, if they get injuries, they're screwed. Well, they've gotten injuries, and obviously this is the, the most catastrophic one. Uh, it, it, Which one were you talking about? The Angels. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a decent 25 coming into the season, but they've just been hit by injury. Uh, and that, now, of course, the biggest one to Trout. The, the, what it's looking like this year with the injury thing is that it's going to be like the NFL where it's a battle of attrition, where it's just yeah. who's healthiest and who has the most depth. And my beloved Tigers are do not known for either of those things. And nor are the Rangers, I mean the Angels. Uh, those are two teams that their window is the most smallest sliver of open and Miguel Cabrera's been on the DL and now Mike Trout's out six to eight weeks. Like, there are two things that could not happen to either of those teams have happened. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The Giants, the Giants are, are all depressed and they got 22 wins and the wild card leader has 26. Yeah, see, that's a crazy thing, though. I didn't realize they were going four out. Wow, you're right, dude. Look at the NL East. It goes from Washington at 33 and 19 to New York at 23 and 28. That division yeah. is a nightmare. Wow. Yeah. Central with the Brewers leading. But both centrals are just, the, both centrals are like pretty tight. Yep, they're just, they're just, uh, parody. They're just completely parody. And then the NL West is a three-way tie for first. With Arizona and, and the Rockies in there, not, not the Giants. This is weird. This is weird. It's gonna be a fun season. It's gonna be a fun rest of the year. I, we might have one of those last days of the season again where, remember that, when we first had the second wild card, I think? And, and well, the first it was, day started every game at the same time and it, and it worked out brilliantly. Yeah. I, I was at a bar, I think, with David Appleman and we were just like, what, what, what? <laughs> 163s this year too, which is always awesome. Yeah. To get those games. Team Entropy. But I gotta let you go. I know you're up on a, on a, on a hard out here, so we'll let you go. We'll talk next week, talk some closers and something else. I don't know exactly what yet, but uh, have a great weekend, you know? Yes, thanks for listening.